Tired of conflict, drama, fighting, and people problems? Are you ready to learn the simple skills to improve all your relationships and make them thrive? Well, it's easier than you think. Relationship Radio brings you practical advice to be your best and improve your life. We break down the complicated problems and make them simple and easy. And when you know better, you can do better. Here are Master Life Coaches Nicole Cunningham and Kim Jones. Welcome to Relationship Radio, where we make healthy relationships simple and easy so you can know better and do better. I'm Nicole Cunningham. And I'm Kim Giles. Now, on today's show, we're talking self-destructive behaviors and why they actually make us feel good, but it's only temporary. Right. And we, we all, I think these most of these, Nicole, we learned them as, as kids, and they were survival mechanisms. They were something that made us feel safer in the world or better on some level. But there was a huge cost with them, especially as you get older and you become an adult, these behaviors have a heavy cost. They do. So we're really going to be focusing on a lot of these unhealthy habits. And I want to talk about what the difference is between a habit and something that's self-destructive. Because when I think of self-destructive, I mean that it's something that sabotages what we know is actually the right and the good choice for you. And that's that maturity piece that we talked a little bit about on last week's show, that it's only now in hindsight that we have the maturity go, you know what, the, the kale's better than the brownie. Right. But the self-destructive behavior always leaves us reaching for that brownie. Right. I I think we need to give them an example of the kind of thing we're talking about, the kind of reaction. I know we're going to hit this one later in the show, but uh, being a, a parent of teenage kids, I know sometimes when my kids have done something that scares me. You know, it's bad behavior that that scares me. It makes me feel better to scream at them and tell them they're grounded for the rest of their life. Well, that's, that's, it makes me feel better in the moment, but it's really not the parent that I want to be. I want to be calm and in control of my emotions and be in a place where I can actually figure out what they need at that time. And we can't do that when we're in ego and, and emotion. But that's the kind of thing we're talking about today. Behaviors that just come from our subconscious programming and we behave that way because it sort of makes us feel better, Right. But there's a cost. Yeah. So you hit on a word there, which I think is really important to pick up on, and that is that we lose control. A lot of these unhealthy habits happen in that default when we are triggered. So if you are listening to Relationship Radio for the first time and you don't know what shape you are, please go to 12shapes.com, take the five-minute survey there, work out what shape you are because depending on your shape and where you sit in our 12-shape relationship system, you're going to have different triggers. And the way that you lose control and get into these unhealthy habits and these self-destructive behaviors is going to be unique for you. And that's really the magic of the 12-shape system. It, it, what it's really done for me, Nicole, is I've gotten very clear on what my unbalanced bad behavior state looks like. I now know exactly what triggers me to get into that. And and with that clarity, I recognize that the behavior, those emotions, and I can catch them and recognize that I have another choice. And, and the cool thing about the shapes is we all have different triggers and different bad behaviors, but we all have some. <laughs> so we get to be out of judgment completely of anybody else because we all have the same value. There's no shape better than any other shape. But we understand each other's triggers and then we can get along so much better. Yeah. So some of the 
the self-destructive behaviors that we're going to touch on today, or maybe just go through that list. So as you're listening to this, maybe ask yourself, is this one of mine? Is this one of my unhealthy habits that I know I do, but I wish I didn't do because I know it's coming from that part of me that's just triggered and that automatic behavior? Yeah. So the first one on our list is actually eating. And, and what we mean is comfort eating, eating when you feel stressed, that kind of thing where, where that's our go-to to make ourselves feel better. That's a problem. Yep. Eating by itself isn't bad, but when we're doing it as a way of dealing with our issues, then it is. Now, the thing with eating, obviously, is that we suppress things. We put something in our mouth to push the emotion down. That's why I always think about it. So it's actually a form of suppression and maybe even repression because I'm consciously doing it. <laughs> okay. So instead, we want to actually express and get those emotions out. That's far more healthier. So we shouldn't turn to Ben and Jerry's when we're depressed. No, no. Or or even bananas. I mean, if you're still doing that and pushing it down, you're consciously not wanting to feel something. And that can be self-destructive because it festers and it sits there and it's got to come out later. Okay. Really obvious one, drugs and alcohol. That's a very common destructive behavior. And, you know, another... Not that we're saying that there's anything wrong with occasionally having a drink, but again, when we're drinking or taking drugs to deal with our life issues, our stresses, then we got to look at that's a a constructive way to handle things. Mm. The next one, blame and shame. Now, this is one that makes us automatically feel better. We just project over everybody, right? We have this attitude of it's everyone else's fault. I'm the victim. I'm the one that this is happening to. A lot of us do that, and it's it's self-destructive because it pushes us away from others. We stand in a place of criticism and judgment, but it's that default to try and regain our self-esteem in that moment. And that's really the important part I want to make sure everyone understands about shame and blame. The more you are experiencing insecurity and feeling inadequate and that fear of not being good enough. One of the subconscious ways you might deal with that is looking for the bad in other people. And it's not just people. I I see people that are constantly complaining about the government, about the city, about the police, about the school, right? And if, if you can focus enough on bad anywhere outside of yourself, that kind of makes you feel better because you don't have to deal with the inadequacies in your own head. The next one I've got written down is is yelling, shouting, and violence. And we think of this often as really unhealthy relationships, but I just want to give a quick insight that I actually am having challenges with my children at the moment that are hitting each other. And they're doing it because they're frustrated. Um, and they're also doing it because somebody hurts the other one and they're kind of getting into that. So they're not aware of that. I'm having to do a lot of correction around that that's not your default. Your default is that we don't get to violence. So it's not always... <laughs> excuse me, what we think it is or a really self-destructive uh, behavior in a, in a domestic violence situation, it can show up anywhere. And I always think if, if <clears throat> you tried as a kid to get love and attention by screaming and yelling and throwing a fit and it worked on your mom and dad and that they responded to that, you may really have that program deep in your subconscious that when I need love and attention, I throw a fit about something. And as an adult, it's, it's not pretty. It's not how you want to show up. It actually makes people lose respect for you fast. There's huge casts with yelling as a way of dealing with stuff. For sure. This is one I get to experience working with a lot of high-risk teens. I get a lot of this one in my office, and that is drama. So anything that you're exaggerating the response, creating 
it's something bigger than what it is. And a lot of the time it also comes with gossip talking behind other people's back because, well, she did that to me and she did this and he did that and it just continues to go on. So even starting rumors might be something that maybe, you know, maybe that might be hard to admit for some of our listeners, but that's a maturity issue. If you didn't listen to last week's show, that's about maturity. But some of these things such as drama, disproportionate response, gossip, rumors, they're all part of this self-destructive default. And they are really still about getting attention, which is the form of love and validation. And if I can't get your attention in a good way, then I'm going to get it any way I can, right? So again, if you had that experience as a child, chances are you're still in that behavioral pattern because it's the only one that you know. Now, the good thing about everything we teach here on Relationship Radio is once you know better, you can do better. So that's what today's show is going to give you. Let's look at these behaviors and actually give you a different way of behaving. I like that. Okay, the last one is really about casting other people as the villain. And I actually think we've all watched too much TV. We've seen too many movies, and in every one, there's good guy and a bad guy. And so we do tend to see the world through that lens. In any situation, there's kind of going to be a better or worse person. And obviously, we don't really want to be the worst one. So if we're constantly on the lookout for ways that other people could be cast as the villain, it makes us feel safer. So this is really what we're trying to say, Kim, is that the world is gray, not black and white. And our tolerance and our resilience within that black and white really is a big sign of having healthier habits and healthier behavior. So are you quick to turn into that black and white thinking and that logic, or are you actually open to the gray? Okay, so let's talk about some of the specific shapes that more likely turn to some of these destructive behaviors than others. For example, I think hearts might have a a subconscious tendency to go to eating. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with that. And there's some of the shapes that have a more addictive type personality. Rectangles, rhombuses, uh, arrows are really quite addictive, uh, circles and stars. They're the ones who are more likely to get into a dependency on drugs and alcohol. Okay, which are the ones that are more likely to lose their temper and scream and yell and get attention by being really loud and upset? Okay, octagons and squares are really good at this. They spend a lot of time in projection as well as diamonds. Okay, uh, let's see. The dr- a drama. Drama. <laughs> yeah. Drama and disproportionate response. Now, there is no shape that does it better than a circle. And the only one that goes up there and gives it its best effort is a star. So circles and stars, you're good at being the drama queens and the drama kings and octagons. Okay. So that's kind of funny because you have a star and a, and circle. a circle at home. Needless to kids. say, there's uh, some drama. Yeah, there's some drama. And you can imagine how that triggers my unhealthy behavior because I'm an arrow and I'm very intolerant to drama. Oh, yeah. Right. We hate drama. Yeah. But but understand, you guys, as an adult, the way this drama sometimes shows up is you feel things really deeply. And so you have an over exaggerated emotion around something that happens. And and later you might look back at it and think, okay, that was a little over the top. How upset I got. Yeah. And other times that the drama can actually show up is even just when it's all about you. So do you ever leave a visit or a a lunch date or catch up with a friend 
or a family gathering and say, I actually didn't listen to anything that they said. It was actually all about me. And I just gave this progress report of where I am and how I feel. And this is a very teenage experience. Those of us who you know interact with ter- teenagers or have teenagers, you know, they walk into the house and everything else stops because the ego arrived, you know, in, in the car. And now the world and the, the house stops function until those words have been finished and then the world can continue again. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, there are some shapes that I think have a bigger tendency to talk a lot as a form, a way to get validation, right? We're not usually one of those as arrows no. to drag stuff out of us. Yes. We're good at keeping secrets. We like our privacy, privacy but, yeah. but diamonds, stars, hearts, circles, octagons, these guys are the talkers. They process the world verbally. And again, this is happening very subconscious, which is why I hear a lot of clients, they don't realize it until on the way home that they think, oh, I might have dominated that whole conversation, right? Made it all about me. Yeah. So processing the world in, a, in through dialogue is actually really healthy as long as it's actually balanced. And then I want to talk about those shapes that are more likely to make the other person the villain, because we see this a lot in our office, rhombuses, crosses, I, w- I want to say octagons. I even want to say diamonds to some perspective because, you know, then and squares. And, and squares and also rectangles. They're the ones who are more likely to cast that other person as the villain to make themselves feel better and less likely to be able to let go of the past. Like they carry things with them because they feel mistreated and hard done by. Yeah, especially don't you think that bottom row, the, the shapes that value ideas most and those opinions, I think they they – like to be right and that being right gives it it makes the ego feel better. So one of the habits that comes and, and the behaviors that go with that is do you have to have the last word? Now I grew up in a in a home with somebody who needed to have the last word and they would literally follow me around the house until the last word is done and you didn't have a chance to go back. So these things are subtle, but we still do them. And that is the problem. They're subconscious and subtle, and and it's hard to be as mindful and really recognize that that's what we're doing to catch it. And it's only later, I think, for a lot of us that we look back and and think, you know, that I didn't really show up in love, which is who I really am and the way I want to show up. Now, let's talk about this in terms of the balance of healthy relationships for a moment, because we are really in Relationship Radio, we're all about healthy relationships. That's our big thing. Now, healthy relationships are equal. Regardless of what shape you are, it's an equal amount of their needs being met and my needs being met. It's about listening as much as it is being heard. So this might be a good time, and particularly for those listeners who listen to us every week and you've got your journals out, maybe a homework assignment this week is to actually look at your most influential relationships and just take an inventory, take stock. How much of this relationship is me participating in an equal way? Or have I got some of these default programs actually happening? Uh, which is is going to be self-destructive to me and therefore influence the relationship. So the the real trigger that that brings on this kind of self-destructive behavior is our fears. I also want everybody to look at your own shape. Make sure you know which core fear you have more dominantly in play so that you understand the fear that brings that out. 
because that that trigger is what we've got to become consciously aware of so we can step back when it's starting to happen. So a big part of the 12-shape relationship system is that there are two core fears that drive all bad, unhealthy behavior, the fear of failure and the fear of loss. And some shapes are more dominant in one than the other. Do you want to just spend a few minutes talking about those two fears and why they're, they're really self-destructive? Okay, so when I have anybody look back the last time you got triggered, you were in a fight with someone or you got really upset, ask yourself, did I feel insulted? Was I afraid I was going to look bad? Was this a personal thing where I felt criticized or judged? Those are a, a fear of failure experience. And so if those are the triggers that bring out your worst behavior, your fear of failure dominant, you're really deeply afraid you might not be good enough. And so anybody with any comment or that's easy to trigger. Now, fear of loss dominant people are more offended when they feel mistreated. They feel taken from or, or robbed on some level. Now, these, this can be subtle. When I come home and the kids have made a huge mess in the house and I get all upset, it's because of fear of loss experience. I feel they just stole time and energy from me that I'm now going to have to spend to clean up the house. And, 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 so just look at the last time you got upset. Was it more a mistreatment issue or more of a I'm afraid I'm not good enough issue? And you'll you'll know pretty quick which is your core fear that's more dominant in play. Now, what we see with our clients um, and also from our inner circle members um, is that you will have one of these more dominant, which means that will almost be a filter in which you see the world. And so understanding how this shows up and being aware of that on a daily basis really makes a big difference. So let me just take a moment and talk about the inner circle. So this is a group of, it's group coaching. It's a a membership that can be found on our website, 12shapes.com. And this is an opportunity to actually work with Kim and I every single week on this stuff. And we're seeing amazing change, aren't we? We are. And and the members love the fact that they can email us with all the issues that came up that week. And we address them all on that call. And even if you don't have anything specific you want to learn from, you get to hear us answer the other members' questions. And everybody learns so much from being on those. Yep. So you don't have to understand what the 12 shapes are and really understand the ins and out of that. If you're just new to relationship radio, new to the 12 shape relationship system, but we're going to talk, we do every week, we talk about these two core fears and how it shows up. So, okay, we've got to go to a break, but after the break, we're going to talk more about this self-destructive behavior and why do we choose it? Even if it only helps us temporarily. Stay with us. You're with Nicole and Kim here on relationship radio. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Are you a fan of relationship radio? Are you ready to take your relationships to the next level? Perhaps you are still struggling with relationships in your life or struggling with your self-confidence or some negative thinking. We can assist you. Our Shape Up Coaching Program is available to our listeners all over the world. We offer private one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and family group sessions where we teach you about your shapes and how to really strengthen, build, and nurture each of your relationships. Discover how to resolve conflict, how to overcome fear of confrontation, and really work on your self-esteem like never before. For information about your coaching options, or if you're interested in becoming a certified coach to work with Kim and Nicole, send us an email, info at 12shapes.com. 
Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Relationship Radio. To reach Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles or their guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to info at 12shapes.com. Now back to Relationship Radio. Welcome back to Relationship Radio. You're with Nicole and Kim. And today we're talking self-destructive behaviors that we choose, not consciously, but subconsciously, because it makes us feel good temporarily. Now, Kim, I want to talk about one that's really near and dear to my heart, and that is consumerism, the need to buy things, to validate our worth. And it's a problem everywhere, but I want to say it's a big problem here in America. So why is this one near and dear to your heart? Well, you know how passionate I am about minimalism, and I've just gone through this huge cathartic purge because I I moved here almost three years ago with two kids and four suitcases and I was proud of that and before I knew it I found myself filling up a three-bedroom home because it made me feel secure I thought that that's what you did that was success and then one day I turned around and realized I've done it again I have just filled my life up to fill up all of the emotional holes and I've just gone through this three-month purge that you've watched me do and helped you do and helped me do (laughs) And, and I'm now back into, we, we own 200 items each and that's it. And I'm, I feel good about that because I'm not carrying this stuff. And I, I have to tell you, I, I'm more emotionally clear than what I was when I was living in that big house. Yeah. So what we want everybody just to ask yourself, is there any part of you that gets a, a lift to your self-esteem or you feel safer in the world if you go buy something new? And how often when you're feeling down, do you go shopping? And we hear this from a lot of clients that they recognize that this is their drug of choice. When they're feeling bad, I go buy myself a new dress or pair of shoes, new purse, and I'm a new person. I feel better. Now, this really feeds into that second coffee we talked about before the break, which is the fear of loss. Now, the fear of loss is that I've missed out. I need this to feel better because I'm entitled to it on some level. I've had a bad day and that hamburger bag, it makes me feel better about myself, okay? Or the ice cream or whatever it is that you're purchasing. The problem in that though is that it, it drains your bank account, which then feeds that fear of loss, which is a lack mentality. So it's a vicious cycle. It is. And so I know there's a lot of people who listen to our show who are really into personal development. They probably heard about the law of attraction and things like that. They're probably trying to manifest, changing their relationships, changing their life, changing their money. And yet this one simple act of consumerism that's a subconscious choice, it's a self-destructive behavior, it feeds lack, which then gets creates more anxiety. I feel worse about myself, which is that first core fear, fear of failure. It becomes a vicious cycle. And we hear this from our clients who say, I love the law of attraction, but it's not working for me. Why? Because we're actually allowing this default fear guide all of our behavior. And, and it's actually making poor, unhealthy habits for ourselves, which then undermines where we really want to be. It's, it's a perfect self-sabotage loop. Okay, so I'm going to be vulnerable and actually share something personal. 
Don't faint because I'm an arrow and I'm actually going to do it. But you've been in my closet. I have a lot of clothes. You, I, right? I, I love your closet. <laughs> I have because a lot of clothes. You, you have the same style that I do. I know. We love the same things. Yeah, but I, I recognize that there is a lot of stuff in my closet I have not worn in years, but I still just cannot get rid of. I can't. I still think that I might want it. So what, it's fear of loss. It's fear of loss. So on some level, it's comforting. And so this is an interesting thing to look at. What brings me comfort? What is it that makes meaningful in my life? I know that you're my best friend. Without you, I'd have enormous fear of loss, right? So you fill that part of my life. You can't give me what a new purse gives me but then I still reach for the purse. So this is great time to take some inventory. And I'm not saying do a big cathartic cleanse and we don't have to get rid of half your clothes, not today anyway, but look at the difference between what truly gives you meaning as opposed to what gives you that feeling only temporarily that I'm safe and everything's okay in the world. Okay, so the funny thing is I often recommend to our coaching clients an exercise of cleaning out a closet. And what we like them to do is with every article, everything in their house they're getting rid of, send with it one of your fears, especially around fear of loss, and name it. Okay, with this shirt, I am also getting out of my house this fear of comparing myself to other people. And that competition thing where I I feel not good enough if my clothes aren't as good as the ones they're wearing. Yeah, we're getting rid of that. Throw the shirt in the box. And and. I do think that is very cathartic for all of us to let go of some stuff, trust the universe. You're always going to have what you need and and be more practical. No, I'm not saying it's easy, though. No, it's not. Obviously. I have to tell you, I did that on a digital level. So I cleaned up all of my digital stuff before I actually went into the house because it seemed somehow less overwhelming. It was just on my phone and on my laptop. It wasn't necessarily, you know, three bedrooms and a basement and everything else. And I realized all the subscriptions I had that were only $2 here and $4 here. I mean, so many of us, we subscribe to these things. We have no idea what we're paying annually. And we forget about them. We forget, we're paying which means we're not using. But I realized that I had all of these uh, digital attachments to movie subscriptions and music and all the rest of it. And it was filling this part of me that really wanted a relationship, really wanted that connection with someone and intimacy. So I had to look at that and go, why am I doing this? Why fill my time up when my children are asleep because I don't have a partner with all of this stuff? So maybe there's a place for you to start. Maybe maybe start with the thing that you want the most and ask yourself, what is filling that space that maybe means that I'm not moving forward that, with that part of my life? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. We also want to make sure that we separate our worth from our stuff, our things. Um, in The Course of Miracles, one of the lessons is about... Um, that this this has no meaning. It means nothing. And, and you're supposed to spend a whole day looking at everything in your house, everything around you, and repeating that this doesn't mean anything. And I remember the first time I did that, I was walking around my house, and there's certain pieces of furniture that are really old, really out of date. And I recognized, ooh, I've had I've had some of my value wrapped into that that's my dresser, that I don't have a, a nice, more in-style furniture. And I started to recognize all kinds of things in my house that I had attached my value to. So we talk about this a lot, but the biggest, most important thing that you can do to improve your life and your relationships is to choose to see all human value as unchangeable, that we all have the same value, no matter what we own, no matter what we buy, just because you have a new dress, your value is still the same as everybody else's. It doesn't change. And if you've got only old shoes that are scuffed up, that doesn't change your value either. 
we have to get to that place where we let our value be the same all the time, right? Yeah. Now, I know that there's octagons and stars listening to this right now. Are they now, already dying? And they're, they chose a curling going, no, 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 a Louis Vuitton handbag totally makes me feel better, right? <laughs> and, and it I, defines my value yeah, too, so be, everyone knows. So there's nothing wrong with appreciating and even owning and enjoying these items. That's not what we're saying at all. We don't all have to live like monks and hermits and not have beautiful things, but it's about appreciating how you much you value that as opposed to tying your worth to it. Yeah. That's the big piece. So one of my tricks, I have to admit, is I go in my closet, I pick an outfit, I try to you know look as good as I can, I guess, but then I always look at myself in the mirror and say, all right, now let all this go and go get them with your love. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have fancy clothes and nice purses. If you're not a nice person, what people care about in you is your love, not your stuff. And the, the next step to that is, is don't leave the house until you're in that state where you can be loving. Yeah. So some of my star clients, I actually dare them to leave the house without makeup Go somewhere and practice the whole time knowing that your value is still the same and that you're fine, even though you don't look as good as everybody. That's a, a fun game. And you can always go to Walmart at 11 o'clock at night and wear Ugg boots and tracky pants and okay, no one will judge right you. In. You'll fit right in. So it's okay. There are places to do these social experiments. Totally. Okay. Let's jump to uh, another common self-destructive behavior, which is gossip. And I, w- I want to add to gossip fault-finding looking for bad in other people. And scorekeeping. I've had so many conversations recently about observing and pointing out to people that you're actually taking score with you and your spouse or you and your friend or you and your child because it makes you feel better temporarily. So the bottom line is, is that every person you know that you interact with is fighting a battle at home that you know nothing about. You know that because you're carrying your own baggage around. That's true. They're they're very likely in pain and in fear and struggling at some level. All of us are. Yet it seems like, Nicole, the more fear that I have about myself, the more pain I'm in, the more my ego wants to find fault in other people to make myself feel better. And we all do it. I don't think there's a person on the planet that doesn't do it. And it's when we get offended by other people and we experience that mistreatment, which we've got to remind ourselves in that moment, we need to be compassionate, not judgmental and critical because hurt people hurt people. It's ultimately that retaliation that justifies this own self-destructive behavior of gossip and putting them down. Because when somebody is giving us that treatment, we don't, we don't want to give them, lift them up and make them feel good. We, we naturally want to tear them down and say, hey, that's not okay, because that ego wants to justify it. Now, we see this a lot with our teenage clients. This is such a big problem in junior high and high school, don't you think? Oh, completely. Where you're already feeling vulnerable, you're comparing yourself to others, and this catty stuff is super unhealthy. I think I've shared before on the show, but if I haven't, I want to share the story again, that that I was a real piece of work in high school, um, unfortunately, and I'm not proud of it. Um, I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of stuff going on, and I didn't know how to get out, which really was the beginning of, of me carving out a career in psychology and trying to work out what it is that I needed. But I said to everyone in high school, and I know some of my friends now, because we've reconnected 20 years later, they listen to the show, they'll remember, I stood up in the corridor in the high school and I said, now delete my numbers from your phone because these have been friendships out of convenience. I'm not taking any of you with me to college. 
And what it was, was I was trying to, to create that change with all of that self-destructive behavior because there was so much gossip, so much comparison. Now, a better way that I know now would have been all your friends off. Yeah, would have been actually taking responsibility for my pain. So you might be like me where you had immature behavior. Listen to the shows we did last week. You didn't know better and you actually hurt a lot of people. And I'm not proud of it, but I now know better. And and I know that all of those things happened there because hurt people were hurt and everyone has got something going on that we don't know about. So, Nicole, I'm, I, I hope everybody's got their pen because I'm going to tell you right now the secret to having better self-esteem. The secret is we have to give up judgment of everybody else. Because if you continue to be in judgment and gossip and fault find to other people, you're actually all day giving power to the idea that people can be not enough, that people can lose value and be less than, the, than others. And if that's the principle you give power to, it's going to also come back in how you feel about yourself and you will never feel that you're good enough either because you're you're embracing judgment, right? So what we we found is if you let judgment go it, and and completely let everybody be a struggling student in the classroom of life with the same infinite value as you, it, it will completely change the way you feel about yourself because it comes back. And I, I wanted to share with everybody, I ran across this uh, quote on Facebook this week, but it's actually always been one of my very favorites from The Course in Miracles. And it says, you have no idea the tremendous release and deep peace that come from meeting yourself and your brothers totally without judgment. And, and that's really the key I mean, it, it, it is the key to you finally feeling good about yourself when you can let that go and let all of us have the same value. So this is a really important part around mistreatment is that we need to be teaching our children using the language in our home. If you get cut off in traffic or you have a child that comes home that's being bullied at school, we're not about one-upping. We're not about going in there and winning the race and trumping and being better and more superior. We have to talk about, you know what, what do you think is going on for that person? Or showing step, showing your children how you actually step into a greater level of compassion because you're never to know the things that are going on in other people's lives. And compassion is the only answer to for us to feel good about ourselves. And, you know, as soon as we start seeing the bad behavior in other people as fear, I mean, the people who show up as a real jerk, they are scared to death. It's their fear of failure and loss that's making them overcompensate and show up that way. And when I see them as a scared person, not ju- not a jerk, I have a totally different level of compassion for them. And so I want everybody to just remember this all day, every day, every person you meet, all bad behavior is just a sign of fear that they're scared. Now, another thing that I love to do to actually practice and live and breathe this is to stop complaining. It's the number one thing that we can do, but it is so hard because we have been brought up to vocalize all of our dissatisfaction, haven't we? So the way that I have done this successfully is not just to tell my children constantly, stop complaining. I hear you complaining again. At least you're not complaining, are you? But also just put sticky notes all over my life. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. So it's on my laptop. It's in my car. It's when I open up my diary. It's literally there until I can actually achieve it. Now, for some of you, you don't even realize that you're doing it and you catch yourself after the fact. I, I know we all do it. So the number one thing that you can do to drop this judgment, because that's the social commentary about you being disgruntled with the world and others. Stop complaining. 
It's also really a sign that we're not in gratitude. I mean, I think every time we recognize we're complaining, if we would step back in that moment and kind of count the blessings and all the things that are right in our life, that list would far outweigh the list of what's wrong. But it's all about what you focus on. And if you continue to focus on the negative in your life, you're just going to create more and more of that negative energy and be miserable. And one of the ways I've been accountable for the gratitude in my life is I taught my children from a very young age that we do three things that you're grateful for before we go to bed um, or we do it at the dinner table. And my kids are now uh, seven and almost 10. And they're so used to doing that because we did it from early on that they'll actually hold me accountable to that. So I'll be just wanting to put them to bed and they'll say, mom, we haven't done gratitude. Oh, that's right. We need another. 10 minutes, right? But it's good because we don't appreciate, we don't take the time a lot of the time to actually be grateful. Yeah, we don't. And gratitude is the fastest way, I think, out of a fear, especially a fear of loss moment when we're we're feeling mistreated and gypped by life. The minute you choose to count the blessings, that fear's gone. I just want to talk about the Inner Circle um, call that we had a few weeks ago where we really spoke focused on gratitude. Um, and, and one of our members was saying that I, I don't know the difference between observing this stuff in our life and wanting to change it, but ultimately then feel like we're not complaining about it. And that can, so that was something that we addressed on the call. And really the difference is, is to watch yourself doing it instead of participating. So if this is something that is hitting home for you today and you're thinking, yeah, I need to get some more accountability. I need more of these skills. I understand the principles, but I need more of the the action bit. We would encourage you to join our inner circle community. Uh, it's, it is a super affordable way to be coached every single week by Kim and I, all the details at 12shapes.com. And we will move you through so much faster. These principles because it's not just about awareness. You're actually going to get the tools and the how-to even more than the show. You know, I thought on our last call, um, the group is still really small at this point. There's not a lot of, I mean, it's decent size, but it's small enough that people are getting some real one-on-one help from you and I, which if you came into our office and met with us would be 10 times more expense than what you're, maybe even more than that because you get four calls a month of time with us. There, there was no more affordable way right now. It's insane to get that time and, and get the help that you need. So if, if you haven't at least checked out the inner circle, go to 12shapes.com and check it out. If you have any questions about it, drop us an email at info at 12shapes.com and we'd love to answer those questions. Okay. We're going to take a break, but when we get back, I want to talk about the self-destructive behaviors we have as parents and let's really get into that. So stay with us. You're here with Nicole and Kim on Relationship Radio. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a fan of Relationship Radio? Are you ready to take your relationships to the next level? Perhaps you are still struggling with relationships in your life or struggling with your self-confidence or some negative thinking. We can assist you. Our Shape Up Coaching Program is available to our listeners all over the world. We offer private one-on-one coaching, group coaching, and family group sessions where we teach you about your shapes and how to really strengthen, build, and nurture each of your relationships. Discover how to resolve conflict, how to overcome fear of confrontation, and really work on your self-esteem like never before. For information about your coaching options, or if you're interested in becoming a certified coach to work with Kim and Nicole, send us an email, info at 12shapes.com. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Relationship Radio. To reach Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles or their guest today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to info at 12shapes.com. Now back to Relationship Radio. Welcome back here with Nicole and Kim, and we're talking all things self-destructive with behaviors today. And let's really focus on some parenting because we know that unfortunately that old saying is true, that children learn more from what you do than what you say. But not all of us are in control of what it is that we say. Okay, so we all have bad parenting behavior is what you're saying. And I want everybody to understand the reason that we struggle with our behavior with our kids is because no one triggers your two core fears faster or easier than your kids. You look at any moment when they've done something wrong, they immediately, that triggers fear of failure in you, that you haven't been a good enough parent. It also triggers what will people think of me if they find out my child's behaving this way or as they see me. I mean, out in public, your child's having a fit. You can't not worry about what people around you are seeing with this meltdown, right? So they trigger fear of failure so fast. They also trigger fear of loss because... It's the biggest thing we're afraid of losing is our kids. So because those triggers are so easy with them, bad behavior is really easy and fast to show up in our parenting. Now, ultimately, we all have a parenting story. I think, uh, you know, it's different for every person. We were just sharing on the break that you remember moments where your kids were, you know, playing a bit of a pity party and... You know, yeah, you were, it was more often when they did something wrong and I tried to hold them accountable and they would say, but mom, it's not my fault. I have no friends and I'm having a bad day. And they'd pull this self-pity card to get out of things. And I noticed it. I noticed what they were doing. And then a few days later, I noticed myself doing the same thing. Oh, I know where they got that. Right. Because they do. They They watch us. They learn our worst behavior really well. So Annika, my 10-year-old, almost 10-year-old, has just started with, Mom, I know you're tired, but, which means I must say I'm tired a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So they're picking up on that. They're picking up on it. Now let's talk about the issue with this because ultimately we all know that we do it and we try our best anyway, but it still happens. Now the issue is is that ultimately respect is a two-way street and whenever we are having unhealthy or unbalanced parenting behavior, it doesn't give us the respect that we really want from our children. Okay. Now I think the the bigger thing we've got to hit here is these are bad behaviors that you might accidentally be teaching to your kids. And disrespect is one of them. And, And I hear this from parents all the time. The kids don't respect me. And my first question is, do you respect them? So how are you talking to them? How are you talking to them? Are you yelling? Are you slamming doors? Are you listening to them? Are you validating their opinions? These are the things that that encourage respect. Right? I remember in one of our teen groups, one of the kids said, all I want in the world is for my parents to not just listen, but to hear me. 
and and they don't they don't hear me and and I told you one of my techniques with my kids if they had a chore and it didn't get done and I'm frustrated about it I could speak to them about that and in a very disrespectful way so I always imagine if Nicole was staying at my house and she I asked her to do that chore and she didn't do it how would I speak to you and it's so much more respectfully how I would speak to a friend than how I would speak to my child. And so once I kind of know <clears throat> the way I would handle it with you, I turn around and handle it the same way with my child. And it is a game changer to speak to him with that much respect. Now, there's some people who are going to be listening to the show going, well, no, they're the child and I'm the parent. And they just need to respect what I say because I say it. It's very old school. Okay, that kind of parenting and that kind of attitude, it it was done. That's probably how our parents' parents were raised. But we live in a different age now where every person in the planet gets to have a voice. Social media, they can express their opinions, things like that. If your parenting is not modeling the world that they live in where they get to participate as an equal, you're going to have problems because that's the environment they're used to. And when you demand respect, demand control, you will get what appears to be that well, the child is around you, but that does not mean when they're not around you that they're going to behave that way. They're, they're really, if you're parenting from, a, from fear, teaching them you better obey me or else, you're not teaching them why that choice is the right one for themselves so that they would make the right choice even away from you. We also see in the parenting classes that we do that this kind of parenting, we're not saying it's wrong, but we are saying that what we see and what we teach is that you will experience your children being more deceitful, holding more lies away from you, and actually engaging in greater rebellion if you participate and behave like that. So you've got to ask yourself, what is it that I'm experiencing from my children and where does it come from? And do you want to have influence, real influence? Because that requires respect. It really does. Okay, so our second bad behavior you might be teaching your kids is the blowing up in emotional anger and flying off the handle and saying things that you're going to later regret because you're out of control. Now, sadly, I've done a little bit of this one. Well, find me a parent that hasn't. But what I have done and I, I feel like I'm doing better because I'm really working on it, is I'm very good at the the sincere apology afterwards. Never overestimate the power of a sincere apology. And I'm not necessarily apologizing for what the battle was about because the battle is still the battle. But I will go in, I will sit at the end of the bed or I will ask, hey, can we just have a bit of a chat? I'll take responsibility for my unbalanced behavior. I'll apologize for how it made them feel. I'll apologize that it actually wasn't the best choice to make at the time. And that means there's a path through for greater communication, finding a resolution, because that that issue is still the issue, but the blowing up was not the best way. You know, Nicole, I really want my children, too, to admire me and look up to me and think that I'm an, an amazing human being. And that is something we have to earn. And we earn it through having control over ourselves, managing our own fear and reactions so that we handle situations calm and cool and loving. And and when we show up emotional and have a fit, they they lose respect. How can you respect an adult that behaves that Im- immaturely? It's so true. The next one is refusing to talk or giving the silent treatment. Now, a lot of us do this as a way of just shutting down. We can't engage. We can't find the language or we're just so angry that we can't 
really process things. Maybe you're a slow processor. It's unbalanced. The other thing is, is that just to be aware is that even the some of the ch- channels and the YouTube and and the the stuff that our kids are exposed to, Disney, things like that. There are shows that have these themes in it: silent treatment, mistreatment, and that's become to my attention recently as my kids um, were going to a, to a house that they hadn't been to before. They're watching a lot of Disney over there. That's not something that I've been um, allowing in our home. I realized it had happened. And the way I caught it was that I had this snooty little teen or tween that was having all of this silent behavior. I'm thinking, we don't do that in our home. Where does it come from? It's very diva. It's very of the times that we live in. And it's it's considered to be acceptable in movies and things like that. But we know that it's damaging him. So I think it's really important that we watch the way we fight or we handle conflict with our spouse. Because if you guys play these kinds of games as the parents, if there's silent treatment for days, if there's this horrible energy between you, if there's sharp, snappy, rude remarks that happen, your children are watching all of this much more closely than you realize. And you're teaching them how to deal with conflict in a really unhealthy way. And I obviously, none of us are going to be perfect. We're not saying you have to be because that's not possible. We're all going to make mistakes, but it would serve us all to watch the way we handle those kinds of issues with our spouse and, and just notice what you might be teaching your children. And if you don't feel like you've got skills to handle those conflicts in a healthy way, you need to listen to Relationship Radio. You need to join the inner circle and get some tools and skills to do better so that you can teach them better. Yeah. Some of the the things that influence our parenting behavior is also not just what's in our home, but it's the home that we grew up in. So this taking that check and going, well, have you ever caught yourself where, oh, that was my mother that just came out of my mouth. That happens to me all the time. <laughs> and I go, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then making a conscious choice. Is that is that a parenting behavior that I'm, I'm wanting to pass on to my kids? Or is this something that I need to refine a little bit? This stuff becomes important. Everybody hates that, recognizing you're turning into your own parents. That's, <laughs> But it's just par for the course because they taught you, right? It's in your programming. It is. It's there. And, it's, and that whole theme of today's show is that that default is the first thing that happens. We catch those words as they come out of our mouth. It's often in hindsight that we realize, and this is where the accountability and knowing and having those skills and tools you're talking about to do the correction. Now, Nicole, we, we might talk for just a minute about the nurture element because you're you're an arrow, but because you were raised by a square mother, you've got some of those tendencies in you. And, and we hear this a lot from people who take the, the quiz and they say, but wait a minute, I kind of feel like I'm also this shape. I kind of have two. And, and I know we're going to have listeners that have felt that way. So explain a little bit about that nurture element because it's so in play with the way you parent. It is. So the, the wonderful thing about the 12-shape relationship system is that it's a behavioral science. It's not a personality test. And it came from years of research and working with 7,000 families to get this data, which we know just fits all of these people regardless of where they live. Now, one of the parts of the research is not just that the two core fears drive unhealthy behavior, but also that it addresses is the nurture and the nature. So the nature is that fundamental relationship behavior that is actually you, the way you were wired, the way you were born. So for me, that is an arrow because I was ultimately born an arrow. That's my fundamental go-to. However, I will find myself having both 
healthy and unhealthy behaviors of a square because she was my primary nurturer. So the way that you think about that is you say, who is it that had the most influence? Some of us are raised by grandparents. Some of us were raised by adoptive parents, things like that. So who is it that had the most influence about the values and the way in in which I saw the world, the lens in which I gained that perspective about me and the world around me? Understanding that and looking at their shape, you'll find some of those behaviors. doesn't mean that that's the shape that you are or that's who you are, but it means that it will have some influence. Okay, so it would be great for all parents to go look at their unbalanced state with their shape and maybe also to look at their parents' unbalanced shape and look at some of those behaviors that that your parents might have used that you may now be passing on, right? Yeah. Okay. We're almost to the end of the show, but I want to make sure that we're actually hitting one of these other parenting unbalanced and and self-sabotaging behaviors. And that is freaking out in worry about all of the bad things that can happen. So being the doomsdayer. Now, this comes from a sincere place of love. We worry about our children. But I I know we've worked with clients who are so uptight about everything that can happen and the children are going to this and da, da, da. And they can get so disproportionate with their responses that their kids look at them and go, seriously, mom, like you're on one. Right. I had a client a while back whose mother was scared of everything. I mean, you're going to get hit by a car. You're going to poke your eye out. You can't swim or you'll drown. So they never learned to swim. They, they grew up learning to be afraid of everything around them. Now, we've got some shapes that are really prone to that much worry. Diamonds is coming to mind. Diamonds are really scared of all the things that can go wrong. Who else does that? Uh, so hearts are also very fearful. Circles can be very fearful and afraid of the unknown and afraid of change. Ovals and stars also have high levels of anxiety. So it's something to look at. If you know that you're somebody who is supercharged, particularly when it comes to parenting, ask yourself, is this fear-driven? What's this really about? And, and take some accountability and some measures to actually stop that cycle of projection. So, Nicole, there's another exercise I do with coaching clients often where I make them keep a tally all day long. There's a fear column and a love column. And I want you, every time you have an interaction with one of your children, be it a text message, a phone call, a quick conversation, Every interaction, I want you to give yourself a point that that was a fear-driven interaction or it was a love-driven interaction. And you'll be amazed at how many of your interactions are actually on the fear side. And it, it, it really helps you to recognize you don't want this relationship to be all about fear. You want this relationship about love. And the only way to show up that way is to get in trust that your value is not on the line that your life's the perfect classroom journey, that you're safe in the world so that you can focus on them and not make everything about you. And, and I think a lot of us have a tendency to do that, make everything about us. They really do. So this becomes important when we're talking about stopping these defaults. So those first reactions that we, that happen are often the unhealthy ones. So also spend some time looking at what kind of parent do I want to be? I want to be one that fills my kids up. I want to be one that trusts them and their decisions, even when they go wrong. I want to be one that they reach out to. So we earn this position in their life. It's not just given. Oh, I love that. You say that quite often, that you earn the right to be the one that when they're in trouble, they call you. And and even though it's something that normally you would disapprove of, knowing that you could still be a safe place in that moment is how you earn that. It is. So it's about our behavior because unfortunately, love isn't always enough. And we see that with our clients, with their teenagers all the time. 
Yeah, we do. Yeah. All right. Well, I think today has been a really informative show. I hope that you've got a lot of notes. I hope this is something that you're going to use as a resource. Uh, Relationship Radio is about giving you the tools and skills to know better and do better. So, and Nicole, you know, let's ask our listeners if there's topics they would like to hear us discuss on Relationship Radio. We'd love to hear from them. We love letters from our listeners and they can send those to info at 12shapes.com. Yeah, too easy. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again here on Relationship Radio today and join us next time for more relationship skills and advice so you can know better and do better. Thank you for being a part of Relationship Radio. We hope you've not only received some great ideas to improve the relationships in your life, but we'll join Master Coaches Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles again next Thursday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, have a wonderful week.